what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. And you know, you know what else we haven't figured out? At least, actually, this is my wife. This is my wife, what she hasn't figured out. And she doesn't listen to our podcast, so of course not. it doesn't matter. You know, she she's like, why are you still doing this? Like, it's, <laughs> it's so I'm like, thanks for keeping me humble. Yeah. Um. So sh- we have a Peloton. I don't know if you guys knew did, that. Did y'all know that Victor has a Peloton? We have a Peloton. I tell everybody, everybody that will listen, that Victor has a Peloton. <laughs> you talk about it more than I do. I go I go around the staff at our church. I'm just like, hey, how are you? Nice to meet you. Did you know my friend Victor has a Peloton? You pull strangers off the side of the road. I do. <laughs> I do. I'm very proud of you. Very proud <laughs> of you. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. It's a big It's a big milestone in our life. Yeah, I'm like and a softball mom. Like a softball mom, we have like this. We have a sticker on the back of our car that says, "We have a Peloton on board." It just says, <laughs> "It just says Go Victor Go" on the back of the car. <laughs> Watch him pedal. I was, I was watching an episode of The Office this week, and it was like Dwight riding on his. He was like in a spin class, like riding his bike, and he was like, "Go faster, go faster!" And the instructor was like. I'm the leader of this class. He's like, not anymore. You've died. The Wait, bear got you. Is, is, is that the moment where it's like, we're going to climb this mountain together and one, two, three, jump. It's that exact one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my wife this week, she was feeling, she was feeling real good and was like, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try one of the hardest classes on Peloton. It's bold. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. It's called a hit class. They're tough. They're really hard. I've, I, I try them and they, they kill me. And she was like, I'm going to do it for the first time. She hops on the bike. The class starts, okay? Mm -hmm. The first 30 seconds are just the instructor telling you what the class is going to be. And after the first 30 seconds, she was like, you know what? No, this is too hard. And turned it off and went and did did an easy class. And I was like, man, she failed. She failed. She tried. No. And it was a valiant effort. Honestly, respect for that. Um, Don't don't push through. Don't finish that. Like, if it's too hard... You've done 30 minutes of Let it. Let me ask that, you this. Let me. Th- this is going to be perfect. Did you leave that CrossFit class? Did you just walk out? Okay. Okay. That First uh-huh. of all, first of all, that was mean. Uh-huh. Um, second of uh-huh. all, I probably should have. So I don't think we've actually talked about this <laughs> on the show yet. But one of the most embarrassing moments of my life happened about a week and a half ago. Um, so I've started going uh, to CrossFit at 6 a.m., which has been a huge, huge mistake. Um, <laughs> I was like, man, like, that's disciplined. Well, it's just I'm, now I'm tired all the time. Um, but I get in there and it's like 6.05 in the morning. Like I just woke up and we're doing like backwards reverse lunges. So you put like the bar on the on the, your back and then you squat down. Um, and I have really weak ankles. They're like paper thin. And so I didn't I didn't, I didn't put I didn't put uh, clips on the side of the bar. And so I take a step back and my ankle starts shaking and I lose my balance and I tip to the right side and all the weight falls off the bar. And now my bar all is in balance. All 10 pounds of it goes flying <laughs> off the side. And then my left side is super imbalanced. So it swings all the way over to the left. That weight falls off. And then I lose my balance on my left side. And the bar flies off my back, hits a whiteboard that was standing next to me. And that <laughs> whiteboard rolls all the way down the gym. And it's 6.05 in the morning. And my, my instructor just goes, well, that was dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, this is a terrible way to start my day. I'm just like, I want to go home. I'm like, that, yep. my day is ruined in that moment. Hey, that is a story that everyone who attended that class that day will tell for the rest of their life. They'll All never 18 forget it. people. 
That <laughs> they will never forget. And that's I don't know. You obviously have one of those stories. I have a I have a couple where I'm like the I'm like the main person in the story that people will never forget, but like in a bad way. I'm like, wow, people will never forget that story. Um, but it's not like a good story. It's just yeah. like I failed with something. Yeah. Um, I remember I was playing hockey and I was probably like 10 years old and I had just eaten Chipotle. This is the last time that I've had Chipotle. I have not had Chipotle since this day when I was 10 years old playing hockey. I was playing hockey, ate Chipotle right before, went to practice, got on the ice and I threw up on the ice. And I remember, yeah, it's gross. And I remember the person like coming out on the ice and they literally just took a water bottle and like sprayed over it. It froze. Oh, oh. for the rest of the practice, it was, there was just a reminder of, of my Chipotle burrito bowl, um, on the ice and we all had to skate over it. (laughs) So that's what I mean. That's disgusting. I'm a chain reaction, like throw up person. So like if I see you throw up, like. I will throw up if I if I That's skated know. over your frozen vomit. Like I would throw up. We'd have more um, frozen vomit. <laughs> that's that's so disgusting. Um, <laughs> I uh, I got one more failure story. We um, oh no, we were playing in Israel my freshman year of college, and we had just like walked up a mountain, did like touristy stuff and stuff like that, and so it was late at night. And we were in like the warm up lines going up for dunks and stuff like that. And so everybody on my team, like we're trying to look cool, do dunks, stuff like that. I'm like, all right, like I'm going to, I'm going to bring out something special. Um, and so I tried to be cool and I threw out a lob to myself where like you kind of throw it off the backboard and try to catch it and dunk it. And so I caught it, but I caught it on my wrist and I went up and I still tried to dunk it and I hit the (laughs) rim so hard that I fell back. And I fell on the ground, but oh. I rolled over. So like it you was like, like my butt was in the yourself. air. Yeah, yeah. But like I did like a roly poly on the ground and like rolled into the bleachers. Um, Oof. And there was a, the worst part was there was an audible gasp <laughs> in the gym. You just heard a <gasps> like. <laughs> is he alive? <laughs> is is he? Get him some milk. Just get. <laughs> Bro thought he was in dude him. perfect. Bro, I thought he was yeah, in dude perfect. Oh, that was, I'll never forget that. I'll never well, forget that. Um, let me ask you this question then. You played basketball. We all know that. Very similar, very similarly to how we all know I have a Peloton. Um, <laughs> would you consider yourself <laughs> to be a, to have been a leader on your basketball team? Like, like were you kind of like the point person that everyone went to? Um, whether it was like, you know, emotionally for support. Were you that guy? Because I wasn't. I was like the guy that sat in the corner of the well, locker room, kind of scared. Yeah, yes, yes, and no. It was different high school and college. High school, like by senior year, like on the court and off the court, yes. But like nobody walks into like freshman year of high school a leader. College was also different. Like I didn't play that much in yeah. college. I got hurt a ton. Uh, but like senior Paper year, I've been there a while. Paper ankles. I fell a lot. Um, but it's like by senior year, like you've been there for four years. So like leader in a locker room, even though you don't necessarily play all the time. So like it, it varies depending on the year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this, this is, I think a a great transition into what we're going to be talking about today, because we're, this is something that I think we feel, especially in ministry, but I think this is something that everyone feels regardless of if you're in a vocational ministry position or you're just living life and doing ministry in wherever you're at. And it's leading out, when you're not an expert or you're not 
the the like key leader in that area. So leading when you don't really know how to lead, leading when you're not the expert, <laughs> leading when you don't know what to do. It's like and, conversations with pastors who haven't figured it out. <laughs> wow. Wow. It's amazing how that works. Um, it's full circle. Here, here's the thing I looked at, especially when I was younger. I mean, I am still young, but like I looked at people who were older than me and like pastors. And like when I was a freshman in college, the seniors who were on my team, I'm like, oh, those guys know everything. They have it all figured out. My coach knows everything. He has it all figured out. And now that like I'm actually in a position of leadership, I'm like, oh, I don't have it all figured out. And those people didn't have it all figured out. So like there is this lie that we tell ourselves that people in leadership have it all together or have it all figured out. Everybody in leadership somewhat feels like they don't know what they're doing. Um, And if you do know what you're doing 100% of the time, you're probably not challenging yourself enough. And so I think this is something that Vic and I have experienced, um, not just in our lives, but in our our vocations and our ministries. It's like, how do you lead not just people who are older than you, but like, how do you lead when you go home? You're like, I really have no idea what I'm doing here. And I'm just kind of stepping out on faith and I'm just trying things and throwing things at the wall. Um, And how does that not crush you? Because it's really easy to walk in like our own abilities and trust in our own ways. But the reality is like when the Lord calls you to something, he's going to stretch you beyond what you can actually do. And so walking in leadership in that honestly looks a lot like just being faithful and walking in obedience and trusting that the Lord, like he's going to be the one um, to fulfill the mission he's put in front of you. So we're excited about this. Um, Also, quick caveat before we jump into this episode, everyone is leading something. Everybody. Yeah. It applies Um, to you. It's not just... It applies to you. I'm like, at the bare minimum, you are leading yourself and you may not know what you're, what you're doing, what the next step for you is like at, at everybody is leading something. So this doesn't just apply to coaches or pastors or, or Victor. Cause Victor is clearly a leader. Um, he leads me all the time, but <laughs> <laughs> there you go, buddy. Um, this, I, I, I really do believe this episode applies to you as well. Yeah. It's the, one of the most humbling experiences I think I ever had was maybe not ever had, but conversations I've had was a couple of years ago in my degree path. I got to go have lunch with a couple of pastors and I sat down with, with one of these pastors who I really looked up to. He, you know, had like authored books and he was the guy that like, if I could intern under any pastor, he was the guy I wanted to intern under. He was like the, the idol of pastors that I had kind of put on a pedestal and I viewed him as larger than life. And I sat down with him at yeah. lunch. You know, I was really giddy. I was really excited. I was like shaking cause I was nervous and I was like, how do you do it? Like, how do you accomplish the thing that God has called you to do? How do you lead out in all these areas? Just give me like the the brief synopsis of everything. And he, I'll never forget this. He looked at me and he said, every single morning when I wake up, I journal, I don't know how to do this. That's what, that was like the mm. first line in his journal mm. every single morning. And it served two purposes. One, it was true. <laughs> like one, yeah. it was true. He yeah. was, he was literally, he was like, I have no clue what I'm doing here. But two, it was a reminder that he was incapable of accomplishing anything on his own outside of Jesus. And yeah. when I approach anything in life, whether it's do it, writing an email, doing a task, pastoring students and caring for families, whatever I'm doing, regardless of how mundane or how pastoral of the task, if it is done yeah. apart from the power of Jesus, then I cannot accomplish anything of value myself, of spiritual value myself. And I think that's where we're going to sit today. Well, I mean, Jesus says, John 15, apart from me, you can do nothing. 
And so our job in leadership actually isn't to have the big vision. It isn't to have like the great charisma and, and the talent and all these things like those things are awesome and they're wonderful, but like the making of a good leader is, are you attached to the vine? Like, are you, are you abiding in Jesus? Um, do you have his power? Um, and then from there, like, I, I think there's a very real, just like combination of humility and confidence that every leader needs to have. Like you yeah. just said, like there is a humility in knowing that like you can't do it in your own power. Um, but I think what I've seen is like, I've, it's going to sound prideful, but like I've swung that there too much where there's an yeah. over humility that isn't real humility. That's like, oh, I shouldn't be here. I cannot be here. It also undermines like the work that God is doing. And so yeah. like those two, those humility and confidence has to go hand in hand where it's like, yes, you cannot do this. You're in power, but you can also have confidence in what the Lord is doing in you. And like, he's the person who puts you in that position of leadership whether it's on yeah. your high school team or whether it's in a ministry position or whether you're just like have a, have a, a role of leadership in your friend group. Um, like you, you may look around at your friends and be like, man, like I actually don't know what I'm doing. Um, they think I'm this really awesome Christian, but like, I know the sin in my own heart. The Lord knows everything about you. The Bible says he's acquainted with all of your ways. He knows your heart and he gave you that influence over your friends. And so there's a humility to know that like, man, I, I know where I'm at with the Lord, but also a confidence to know that he will and can use you. Um, but you cannot do it apart from him. I like how you brought up humility and confidence because it's humility because you know you can't accomplish it. And it's confidence because you know the Lord can. And it's like when those two things come together, they sit in perfect harmony. Yeah. I often swing the side of over humility and what over humility is, is just pride. Over humility yeah, is just yeah, yeah. pride because you're the center of your humility. So it's like, oh, I can't, you know, I'm the victim. I'm the person that's struggling through this. I'm the one that can't accomplish this. And you, you never move on from there to the place that you know Jesus can accomplish. Yeah. And you get stuck there. And what happens is you become the focal point of the story. It's yeah. your pain. It's your suffering. It's your inability. It's your, you know, fill in the blank. And what yeah. happens is, is you never take that next step towards Jesus. So that's a pretty dangerous place to be. But what about yeah. the overconfidence piece? I'm curious because that's not my default. I know that, that you just said that's not your default, but maybe help paint the picture for someone who maybe, maybe that is their default. I, I don't know if overconfidence is the right word necessarily. I would say like an over-reliance in your own strength and in your own power, uh -huh. um, which is also a very easy thing to do in ministry because there, yeah. there's that old saying that like ministry is a learned practice. Like you can learn to do it and you can be good at it apart from Jesus. Um, so it's like when it comes to preaching, it's like it's an overconfidence in your rhetoric, in your words, other than the power of the spirit. Um when it comes to leading, it's an over-dependence in your charisma, in your your talents, your ability to cast vision, other than just the work of God in people's lives. Um, and like where confidence is, confidence is not a bad thing. It's just what you put your confidence in. So yeah. if I have an overconfidence in Jesus, praise God. Like, that's awesome. That's Humility comes with that. Have. Yeah. yeah, but it's like, it's when my confidence is rooted in who I am, my giftings rather than the Lord. Um, that's where leadership can get into some pretty murky waters. Um, cause I've also seen and it I mean, where it's like, 
Like I, I just, even with pastors and churches, sometimes it's built around a very charismatic speaker, a very charismatic person. And then yep. what I've seen is like when that person leaves, the church falls apart because it's built around giftings. It's not built around like necessarily dependence on the Lord. Um, yeah. And that's just like, that's not, that's not just pastors. That's just leading in general, um, which can be hard sometimes. We see pictures of this kind of all throughout the Old Testament, right? Where the Israelites are like doing their thing. They place, they take their confidence from God and they place it in themselves and then they screw up. And then God saves them and then they put their confidence in God. He does something awesome. They put their confidence in themselves and then they screw up. And it's like this cycle. And we get on the Israelites and we're like, man, y'all are just dumb. Y'all are stupid. God said this, how hard is it for you to just listen? And we'll we'll point fingers at the Israelites, but it's like, we are susceptible to the same exact thing. And we do the same exact thing in our life where God has clearly given us the direction that he wants us to walk, read the Bible, great commission. Okay. There's Mm -hmm. no ifs, ands, or buts about the great commission. He has commanded us to go do that. It's clear. He's told us we've heard his voice. And we don't do it. And I mean, that's because our confidence is not placed in Jesus. It's placed in something else. And we don't believe that God can actually accomplish what he says he can accomplish. We might not say it like that, but the way that we act reflects what we believe. And so if we are acting habitually in a certain way, and then we say we believe something different, then we probably don't believe it. Because when you believe something, it changes you. You have to change. I I think where I fall on that in, in in my own ministry at least is that I I drifted into overconfidence in my abilities when I believe that this ministry is mine. Yeah. Like when I believe these people are mine, like the success, the failures are mine. That's when I'm like, well, I have to conjure this up. I have to do this. I have to run this. Um and like generally like combating the the thought process that you're talking about right there is understanding like these are the Lord's people. And like, these are the Lord's successes and even like the quote unquote, like the Lord doesn't fail at anything, but like he can use things that quote unquote go wrong for his glory and for his purpose. Like he's the one at work. Um, and that, that helps combat some of those thoughts, at least in my own mind. Um, here's, here's where I want to turn this Vic. So I think like this first half of this episode, you cannot do it in your own power relying on God. That's like square number one when it comes to like leading when you're not an expert. Uh, what do we actually do? So if, if there's, if there's somebody who's in a leadership position and they're looking around and like the internal thought process, like I have no idea what I'm doing, what do they do? What, what, what is our next steps here? How how do we actually lead? Yeah. Knowing that not knowing the next step or knowing that you're incapable of doing something is actually the first step. Um, it sounds super simple. You've probably heard it before, but if someone walked into something with just this, I can accomplish this, I got it. There might be something wrong. Um, yeah. Cause yeah. they can't, <laughs> it's like, if I'm hiring a position at a church, I'll, I'll use that context. Cause that's where I work. And someone was like, you know what? I'm going to come in. I got this. You're not going to have to worry about anything. You don't have to collaborate with me. I'm just going to hit the ground running and we're going to get this done. I'm like, (laughs) I'm like, Hey, thanks for coming in. Um, Don't hire them. (laughs) Yeah. We're going to have to go a different direction. Right. And so knowing that you're incapable of completing the thing that's been put in front of you is the first step. I think of Moses in Exodus three, right? God's like, Hey, go into 
Egypt and free my people. And Moses is like, I can't do that. And mm. Moses is is reckoning with his humanity of he doesn't have the power to do it. He knows he can't do it. And yeah. so that's why he has to rely on God. And so the first thing is, yes, knowing that you're incapable of doing it. The next step, next super tangible, simple step is like the, the you know, Jesus card in small group is like you need to surrender these things to Jesus through prayer and Bible reading. Like these two things need to be at the foundation of what you do. And then as you get more tangible, you need to make sure that you're not working on things alone. You need to make sure that you're inviting other people into processes. You need to make sure that you're getting feedback on the things that you're doing because it's just it's just a proven societal fact that a community, people, my sermon is going to be better because Reagan looks at it. Reagan's sermon is going to be better because he sends it to 10 people to, to critique. That, that yeah. you know, principle applies not just in the church, just across the board. And so there are there are tangible things that you can do in these areas, both spiritually and just physically that, man, I think are would be really beneficial. Plus, it just tells other people that, like, you care about their input and that they matter and that you want to hear from them. And I think just from the sense of being a leader, hearing other people's feedback before you make decisions is a whether or not you take their feedback into account, it, it makes those people feel heard. And that's a huge step forward in leadership, even though you may not have the answers. I love that you brought up uh, Exodus 3 and Moses. Um, Because like that whole thing, like God speaks out of the bush and he calls Moses to this like impossible task where Moses has been like basically in exile for like 40 years. And now he has to go back to the thing that he ran away from. Like he has to lead, lead the people of Israel when he has no idea what he's doing. Um, and in that, like he tells God, he's like, you've got the wrong guy. I'm not the wrong person. And he's like, oh yeah, God, like I've done too much. Don't you know what? Like I killed a dude. <laughs> he's like, yeah. you, you've got the wrong person. And oh, by the way, I've got a stutter. Like yeah. you want me to go talk to Pharaoh? I, I I can't speak. And God tells him, he's like, I got you. Just go. Yeah. And I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you should speak. And I think if we're crafting a theology and a verse around leading when you're not an expert, now therefore go. Yep. Be obedient to what he has put in front of you. Be faithful to what is in front of you. And he will be with your mouth and he will teach you what you shall speak. And like what you see with the story of Moses is like, yeah, he's completely unqualified for the task that God has given him. But like the Lord was the one who drew the people out of Israel, out of Egypt. He yeah. was the one that was faithful and he used Moses to do it in, in all of Moses's failures. Moses wasn't perfect after the burning bush, but in all yeah. of his failures, the Lord used it and the Lord worked through Moses. Um, so I, I think like just to even put a practical end on that, like what Vic said, it's just understanding that like, Hey, you don't have it all together and that's all right. Sometimes being the quietest one in the room is a really, really good thing. Um, yeah be dependent on the Lord and Bible reading and prayer and just be obedient. When he says, go, go. If he called you to it, he will sustain you through it. And that's probably the best way that you can lead people. Yeah. And if you need like proof of that, look at every story in the Bible, every story in the Bible, God sustains his faithful servants through it. I even think like Moses didn't even know the, like he, he, Moses didn't even live with the Israelites. He wasn't like, he wasn't enslaved with them. 
Like he he didn't know the culture. He didn't know the people. He, he was didn't in the like palace. he knew none of them. He was in the palace. Yeah, yeah. And, and then yet, he murdered somebody and left. It's like, man, if there was anyone who was not qualified to lead the Israelites, it was yeah. Moses. He didn't he didn't live with his people. He didn't know his people. He he was a a criminal, and yet the Lord still used him. Not just to bring his people out, but to lead them into their wilderness, which gets back into that whole thing we talked about earlier. So, well, and this is this is the thing where it's like, um, I think this is something Vic and I are both passionate about because we're both leading things right now that we feel very ill-equipped to actually do. Um, and that is not something that I felt day one of my job. That is something I still feel like two and a half years later. Yeah. Um, and so, like, you never really grow out of that just like, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm doing feeling. And that's okay. Um, yeah. Because I, I think I, I can look back at the story of Moses and like, I don't really remember a time off the top of my head where the people of Israel came around Moses and like, hey buddy, we're praying for you. Like I, I know Moses interceding yeah. on behalf of them, but I, I, maybe there is a story, but I can't remember off the top of my head of the people of Israel praying over Moses on his behalf. And I'm like, man, that has not been my experience. Um, because like, I, I remember like when I first came on uh, staff of the job I have right now, like I told one of my small group of leaders, I'm like, Hey man, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, it's pretty obvious. And he was like, man, we know <laughs> like, we, we're fully aware. Um, but he was like, I, I pray for you every day. Mm. And he was like, I pray that God would give you a wisdom beyond your years. And I pray that he would give you confidence in him and a dependence on him. And then he walked away. That's good. And I have never forgotten that. Yeah. Um, and I think that was one of the most formative things because he didn't necessarily affirm my talents. He didn't say like, no, man, like I, w- you're the person for this. He said, nope, you have a lot of insufficiencies and it's very clear. Yeah. Um, but he said, but he also said like, it's clear that the Lord put you here. And as a people, we're going to pray over you. And we're, we're going to protect you. And we're, we're, we're here with you as the Lord uses you. And man, like get, get people like that. <laughs> you, yeah. you need people like that. Those are the people you want to ride with. Those are the people that like, man, that my heart longs to lead people like that. This may, this could potentially turn this episode. What I'm about to say into a longer episode, but what you just said, he didn't affirm your talents. He affirmed your calling in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Man, yeah. I am so, I desperately crave affirmation for my talents. Yeah. And I struggle, like someone could come up to me and be like, hey, Vic, like the Lord has clearly called you to X, Y, and Z. So encouraged by your ministry here. And I'm like, cool, thanks. That's great. Like, that's encouraging. <laughs> but when I get, when I, when someone's like, Vic, that was the best thing. The content you just produced was the best content ever. I freak yeah. out. I get way more excited about when my talents yeah. are affirmed than when my calling is affirmed. And like, man, that, that is that tension between humility and confidence. It's like my confidence oftentimes is not in the calling the Lord has given me. My confidence is like in the things that I can produce. And man, is that where we go wrong? Because if you are in ministry, especially, and you crave the, the affirmation of your talent then the temptation for you is to build that ministry on your talent because you are going to want to prove to people that you're capable. 
And yeah. it's like, man, that is a rabbit hole that I think we could dive into um, in a whole nother in a whole nother podcast. Well, and I think like even to get it out of the ministry spectrum for a second, I'm like, if it's not preaching, it's your looks. If it's not preaching, it's your humor. If it's not preaching, it's your intellect. Like whatever, what that reveals is it reveals the idols in your heart where you get the most affirmation from other people when like really is just designed to come from God where he's like, I'm pleased in you simply because I am like, I love you just yeah. because I love you. And I'm proud of you just because I'm proud of you. And like, yes, I've gifted you with intellect. I've gifted you with like, with these different things, but that was never meant to replace me. Um, yeah. and I think like the dangerous thing in ministry, you and I've talked about this, like preaching is probably the one for you and I, that I think we easily fall into. Yeah. Um, because it's really easy. Like there've been times we've, we've come off like from a camp or something like that and just been like, God moved. He did. And like the, the, the story <laughs> that so came convicting. after that, but it's like, you come off the stage and it's like, I mess up that transition. My yeah. intro wasn't funny. Eight kids I, I just like raised was, their hand. Yeah. But my transition like, eight, was eight. off. Well, yeah. And, and it's just like that right there is revealing to me of like, Oh, what I deem as a good sermon is was my rhetoric up to par? Yep. Did people walk away thinking that I was a good speaker or did they walk away th- like knowing they had an encounter with the God of the universe? And so like yep. this has been the convicting thing for me over the year. My sermons are not the tool to get me glory. My sermons are a tool, whether it's a great sermon or a bad sermon, like to give God glory and for the people to encounter him. And honestly, the Lord is the Lord has gotten more glory from my bad sermons than my good sermons. Yeah. He, he really has. When, when, they, when they walk away knowing that they met with the God of the universe and it had nothing to do with the three points and alliteration that I did, like that's how they know, like, man, I met with Jesus today. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh. it, if, even, okay, even when you tie this back to leading when you're an expert, even when you go home, it's like, man, I really bombed that sermon today. Yeah. The Lord called you to this. Now, therefore, go again next Sunday is coming and I will be with your mouth and I will teach you what you shall speak. And every single Sunday, bro, you get up there, you're faithful, you share the word to your best of your abilities and the Lord will use it to redeem his people. Well, and this is what, this is what first Timothy, this is what Paul tells Timothy. He's like, be diligent in this, give yourself wholly to your people so that everyone can see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely here. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Persevere does not imply perfection. It doesn't imply like the best of the best talents. It doesn't imply the best of the best leadership. It implies small, simple, obedient, faithful steps towards Jesus. And if you do that, you will save both yourself and the people who you lead. And it's like the most, the, the best leader is the one that takes faithful steps towards Jesus. It's like, I've been convicted. Well, not convicted, just thought provoked. What happens when we lead someone who is the expert? Like, like we've been put in a position of leadership, but like the person we're leading is quote unquote the expert. So like, for example, I came into my job as student pastor and the small group leaders who I came like into were people that had been at our church for 10 years. They knew the yeah. student ministry far more than I did, but yeah. I was still called to lead them. That was an interesting yeah. process. Um, Cause they were the quote unquote experts, but the same principles apply. 
It's yeah. small, simple, obedient, faithful steps towards the cross. Well, and this is not going to be spiritual. Um, so I apologize, but like genuinely just asking questions. Yeah. I'm so sorry. But like whether you are coming into a new company and a new position of leadership and in, this is day one for you and it's day year 10 for them or like very similar to you. Like when I got hired um, as a student director, there was a small group leader that had been in that ministry for like nine years that had grown yeah. up with this kid. Like, like he knew the culture. He knew like. And so I'm like, OK, the thing that I did was like I didn't necessarily I knew my job was to lead this small group leader, but I didn't necessarily tell him what to do. I asked him questions. And so I was yeah. like, hey man, like what what are the families like here? Like what what are your boys like? What what do they need right now? What have you seen over the last eight to nine years? Like what can I help with? Yep. And like that right there cultivated a relationship built around humility that like he now felt willing and comfortable to be like, hey man, these are the things that I see. I would love to help out. We're all in this together. Like stuff like that. You're going to be put in position of leadership sometimes where the people that you're called to lead know more than you do. And that's, and that's okay. a good thing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good thing. I, yeah. if, if, if I'm in leadership and I know more than everybody else around me, that is a scary, scary place to be. Cause I don't know that much. Um, yep. and so ask those people questions. Don't ever be too, too confident in, in your own, like not even your own talents, but like your own appearance. Like we have this false idea that leaders have to be like Julius Caesar walking down the road. Like I know everything come and follow me. Like the best leaders that I ever have seen have been the ones that have been just like, y'all, I don't have it together and I could really use your help with this. And here's the vision. Here's where I think that God is taking us. How can we do this together? Yep. Um, Those have been the best leaders in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode where we just talked a little bit about leadership and yeah, leading when we're not experts and probably never will be experts. If you enjoyed the episode, leave us a five-star rating. Um, that would be, yeah, we would love that. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Amazon Podcasts now. I didn't even know Amazon oh, had a podcast thing. So wow. to the four people that use Amazon podcasts, hope, hopefully we reach one of them. Um, if you guys have questions, comments, concerns, email them to us, sanctifiedish at gmail.com. We've, I've gotten this question. It's sanctifiedish at gmail.com. There's no hyphen in the email. It's just sanctifiedish, one word at gmail.com. So if you've been sending emails to the hyphen, it's just going into cyberspace and no one will ever yeah. see it. They've been writing out the word dash. It's sanctified, D-A-S-H-ish at gmail.com. <laughs> That's wrong. Don't send emails there. Sanctified-ish at gmail.com. You can check us out on social media at ReaganJones97 and at Rotsiv157. I have big news about Reagan's social media. When you type in Reagan Jones, you are now the first person that comes up. And then all of the, all of the, you know, other Reagans are all under. So congrats. All the, all the other high school, all the other high school girls. <laughs> <laughs> they're all they, hey you know what you're the only you're the you're the top I'm the, so i'm the enjoy only one it. i'm the only one enjoy it shout, shout <laughs> guys, out to all the other thank Reagans. you shout out shout out hey maybe they listen and we could get them on the podcast and interview them all right thanks for watching this gone on for too long we'll see you in the next one goodbye did y'all know victor has a peloton i got my workouts ready for today i'm on a four-day streak <laughs>